grief. Father, encourage them as they worship you, as they turn to you, and encourage us, we pray today, as we lift your name higher, as we exalt you, as we declare your greatness, your majesty, your sovereignty, your glory, your power, your love, your unchanging nature, your faithfulness. You are a solid rock that never changes. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and on that rock we stand. We stand firm no matter what's going on. We stand. And we praise you. And we thank you for the cross that has allowed us to know you, Father God, to know the heart of the Father, the heart of love. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming. For coming to earth. To become one of us. To show us the Father's love. To show us the heart of the Father. We thank you. We praise you. We ask that you would speak in a way that only you can speak this morning. Father, we we can't do anything apart from the power of your spirit that transforms us, that works mightily within us. We just come to you with our needs, in our brokenness, and we ask that you, by your power, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would meet us today, would encounter us in a fresh way, would strengthen us, that we may go out from this place to be your life to the people around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to week three of our Advent series. We are doing this book, Making Room in Advent, by author and artist Ben Dickinson. It's been a powerful time together as we've been um, just encountering the Lord through his word, through the Christmas story, also through art. And uh, it's just been a beautiful thing to be together and to let the Lord speak in practical ways to us through this book. So week one, we were talking about making room for a promise. And the big idea there was the fact that God's promises need time to ripen. Just like in pregnancy, the gestation, and I, I have to acknowledge my daughter's here today, she's five weeks from having her baby, and maybe earlier, but that's my daughter's baby. <laughs> and, uh, I'm so excited to be grandma. That's why I just have to, you know, rejoice with me, right? Rejoice with me. This is her first little one. And God's promises need time to ripen, and we make room for them by waiting with hope, waiting with expectation, even if it's a long, long wait, like Zachariah and we wait with hope and expectation. What happens in us when we wait? Well, we learn to loosen our grip on people. As we recognize, like Zachariah and Elizabeth, that no amount of righteous living can bring God's plans into fruition. He brings them in his own time and in his own way. Week two, we talked about making room for limits. And this is something that a lot of us haven't thought about, that, that God actually comes into the world through our limits. We're often trying to push past our limits. We think our limits hinder us. But God says, no, I'm going to come into the world through your limits. Through Mary's limited, all of her limits, her limited education. She was from an For all of the limits that she had, she was still a virgin. And God said, that doesn't matter. I can cover over you. Your limits do 
not here for me. In fact, I choose to come in the places of limitation. And so we make room for God by embracing our limitations, not by trying to push past them. And boy, oh boy, after I preached on that last Sunday, God really spoke to me on Monday. Uh, I won't go into the story, but believe me, anytime you preach on something, God doesn't let you get away with anything. <laughs> so I had to... Uh, I really had to wrestle with the fact that I was still trying to push past my limit. I was still feeling like, oh, I have to do this. I have to do more than my capacity or whatever. And God really, I had a real encounter with God on Monday, which was awesome. Uh, hard, but awesome. So um, our limitations don't hinder God's work in us. God chooses to dwell within our human limitations. And then he grows us, and then he stretches us to make more room for him. So today, we're talking about making room for community, making room for others. And the big idea here is that God comes into the world through community, and we make room for him by making room for each other. So let's go to the scripture text, which is Luke chapter 1, verse 39 to 56, in the New International Version, continuing on our, in our Christmas story. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever just as he promised our ancestors. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. So let's put up the first painting there, Lars, please. <clears throat> so you'll see in Betty's painting, um, Mary is standing <coughs> And Elizabeth, as Mary comes and greets her, Elizabeth is overcome with the Holy Spirit and confirms the word that the angel spoke to Mary. You can see that Elizabeth was in her six months, so the baby's in her, John Baptist, in her womb there. So just let your eyes go throughout the painting and just 
primary. She recognizes that in God's economy, blessing is not a finite resource. Her posture of humility is what enables her to behold Jesus within Mary. Those months in solitude prepared Elizabeth for this moment. The spirit inside her empowers her to see beyond the young virgin, beyond the lowly servant, beyond the girl from the back road town of Nazareth, to see the mother of God. Elizabeth sees with spiritual eyes the divine presence dwelling within Mary. And she gives it a name. In essence, she says, I see you, Mary. I see the new thing growing on the inside that no one else can see. What God is doing in me testifies to what God is doing in you. And leaves with joy. Elizabeth prophetically declares the significance of what is happening and responds in worship. A shout of praise bursts from the spirit and from John leaping within her womb. She shouts, look, look at God's work in you. Isn't it beautiful to And as Elizabeth's song rises, it warmly wraps around Mary, sinks deep into her soul, and stirs something within. An aria is called forth from the innermost place in Mary, and it sweetly dances through her lips. The great Isn't that beautiful? So after Mary hears Elizabeth's words that are prompted by the Holy Spirit, she realizes in a new way the significance of what's happening. So this is a Kairos moment. Remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about the difference between the Kronos times in our life, the everyday time, Kronos time in the Greek, and the Kairos moments where God encounters us in a different way. It's like heaven meets earth. Author Daniel Strickland describes the Kairos moment this way, as an invasion of eternity into the present tense, a sacred and holy interruption to our everyday life with an invitation to partner with God in the coming kingdom. And Mary's encounter with the angel, Gabriel, God was inviting Mary to partner in bringing the kingdom of Jesus to the world. And now, in this song, in this Magnificat, Mary realizes the significance of that. It's really something because Elizabeth has confirmed this word in Mary's life. And having her confirm what God was doing enabled her to grasp the significance and to allow her life song to really come forth with passion. I'm sure that each of you have experienced it. Think back to a time when something was brewing, maybe an idea, maybe something that, a gift, or something you were sensing God was doing in you, and then God sent someone to confirm that word. Maybe it was here at church when Steve uh, prayed and, and confirmed exactly what the Lord had shown you in your devotions the day before. Or maybe it was in a discipleship group. Or maybe it was at prayer meetings. So these are significant times that we gather each week to confirm God's word to each other, to confirm what God is doing in our lives, the work he's doing. Uh, because God is at work in all of us. And God gives all of us Kairos moments when he encounters us and says, here's what I'm doing And I'm not just doing it for your blessing and benefiting, I'm doing it because you're going to display my glory to the world. This Magnificat is incredible. And Mary does 
And one of the things, even just this encounter of coming to Mosaic, God really confirmed his word to me, his life song to me in this. And, and, and we told the story at the commissioning that God told Keith before he told me, but then he told me without Keith telling me. And then as we met, it was this high-rose moment of God confirming, this is what I do. There is something here, a song I want you to sing. There is something happening that is going to further my kingdom, that is going to bring joy, that is going to give me glory. And we were able to confirm that in each other and what was happening here. Um, but for a long time, comparison blocked me from fully singing this song that God wanted me to sing. I spent too much energy and time feeling like my song wasn't good enough. It wasn't as good as my sister's or my brother's or someone else's song was better or more important. And I let comparison steal the joy and steal some of what God is doing. And I'm still discovering my life song, but as people keep confirming in me what they see and the giftings and whatever, it becomes clearer. It becomes sharper. And I become more surrendered to say, yes, God, save your song in me and Again, not for my benefit. Yes, for my benefit, but for the benefit of the world, because only you can sing the song that God has given you. And if you don't sing it, nobody will. You can display God's glory in a way that nobody else can. You have a unique calling and a unique way that God wants to empower you to display His glory. And if you don't sing the song and you don't surrender, you, they, we will miss out, the world will miss out, and God will miss out on that glory. Only you can sing the song. And how amazingly cool was it that Keith chose the song, Praise the Hallelujah, which says only you can sing the song. That's awesome. Again, God confirming that this is an important thing for us to get a hold of. And remember in the spring, we, as we were praying in uh, our prayer time um, one Tuesday, I had such a strong sense that God is giving many of you new ministries, new songs to sing. He's calling for beautiful things in you. Incredible. So say yes, like Mary. Say yes and say, I want to sing the song that you have planned for me to sing. I want to not... Have you missed out on that glory, God? I don't want to hinder your glory. I don't want to hinder people from coming to you. I want to sing the song that you have for me. So the word magnificat comes from the Latin word magnificare, which means to make great. God desires that all of our lives would make him great, would display his glory. And so we need to confirm God's word in each other. We need to call forth the song in each other that we were created to sing. Just like Elizabeth called forth that song as the Holy Spirit came upon her. She called forth that song in Mary. Mary's like, oh, no, it's real. It's real. It's really going to happen. God has done this. So let's pause for a second and just talk to the Lord about what is stirring inside you.
a vision? Is there a, a passion? Is there something that's been stirring inside you? A ministry or a gifting or a call or a song? What is the song that God is singing through your life? Let's listen. <coughs> And it goes beyond that. And we have to ask the next question, which is, what do you see in someone else that you can name aloud to them? So just pause and think about that. We, we want to, yes, God, to name it in us. But we also want to be faithful to say it aloud, to name it aloud, and call it forth in other people. So ask the Lord to put a name and and someone on your mind and maybe what you see and call for Often the song that God calls us to sing is not only connected with our gifts and with our passions, and it takes into account our, our DNA, our personality, everything about us, but it also often reflects where our heart aches and breaks for what's not right in the world. So I've been learning over the last years, years and years, that my heart aches when people feel blocked in hearing Jesus' voice. And so a big part of my life song is helping people learn to listen to Jesus' voice through listening prayer, through teaching, through painting, and all, all of it is to try to help remove the blocks by the power of the Holy Spirit and help people experience freedom in their own relationship with Jesus. And this is a life song that God has been growing and stirring for a long time in me. And so our life song has to flow from our identity as beloved sons and daughters of God. We can't sing this song if we're not grounded and settled in our identity as beloved sons and daughters of the Father. Otherwise, we will compare and think somebody else's song is better. We will... Yeah, we will just miss the mark, or we will strive and do it on our own strength. We have to be grounded in the love that the Father has for us. And when we look at the first part of the Magnificat there, Mary says, My soul glorifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. My, that word mindful really means He's seen me. He saw her particularly. He encountered Mary in such a special way. So she feels his love for her. So the song starts with, wow, he sees me, he knows me, he's lifted me up. But then she doesn't leave it there, does she? She goes on and she says, 
provide. This mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. And she goes on about this is for everybody. This is for the humble. This is this is for um, all people, the hungry. And um, yeah, so first, Mary experienced that God saw her and God encountered her first. We have to see, we have to know that God sees us, encounters us personally. His love is personal, we're grounded in our identities. And then we can sing the song that he has for us to sing. From this place of fullness, she is able, Mary is able to look past herself in humility and say, this is the way actually that God works in the whole world. This is the way his kingdom works. It's not just about me. It's actually about the fact that God comes to the lowly. God comes to the humble. God comes to the marginalized. God comes to the hungry. And he take, takes down the proud. Those that use their power and their greed and, and, and their wealth for evil. He knocks rulers off thrones. And he lifts up the humble. She's able to see this extends far past her own encounter. This is the way the kingdom comes. And her song actually is, is um, either stems from or is reminiscent of Hannah's song in, in Samuel. When, when the Lord came and met with Hannah, and Hannah was barren and longed for a son, and God gave her Samuel. And the song that Hannah sings, that we can find in 1 Samuel, is, has these same elements. God had mercy on Hannah, and met Hannah, and brought her up out of her lowly position. But he, this is the way his whole kingdom works. She, she extends it past her own experience to, oh wow, this is the way God works. He always lifts the humble. He comes to those who know that they need him. This is the Beatitudes, right? Matthew 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Blessed are those who mourn. This is the gospel, folks. This is it. This is the gospel. So let's go to that second image, please, So in this one, this is a powerful one. You see the scales. And on the weighing scales, and on on the side, the other side are the rulers, the proud, those that use their power to abuse. And as the Holy Spirit comes upon Mary and she sings the song, you see the Holy Spirit showing her that he lifts up the hungry and the vulnerable and the marginalized. And the scales are tipped. In God's kingdom, the scales are leveled. He makes things right. He brings up the humble and the lowly. And he brings down the proud. And we are going to carry on with that uh, next week and go further into how John Baptist prepared the way. And we'll bring this image up again next week. But Mary's heart ached for the oppressed and the poor, and the downtrodden, and the vulnerable, she knew what it was like. She was downtrodden. She was vulnerable. She was oppressed. And so she knew what it was like. And her song came out of that passion. Her song came out of that realization. God sees me. 
But we, God sees all of the marginalized. God sees all of the downtrodden. This, this is his kingdom. He has life for all So let's pause again for a minute. Where does your heart ache and break for what is not right to Because just as we, as we paused earlier to think about what song God is singing in us, rising up within us, it's connected to where our heart aches and breaks for what's not right to So let's pause and listen and see what the Lord has for us. Father, I just thank you that your heart breaks for what is not right in this world. So much so that you came into this world to provide a way to rescue us. Father, I thank you that you have a song for each and every one of us to sing that brings you glory and spreads your light to the world. And so I ask that this coming week, more and more as we seek you, as we spend time with you, that each of my brothers and sisters, each of us, Lord, would feel more grounded in your love for us. You see each one of us, you know each one of us, and you do have a very important song for each one of us to sing. And so, Father, may we call it forth in each other. Father, we ask that this would be done, all of this, for your glory and honor and praise and the extension of your kingdom. And we pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. I don't think I've been as impacted by a series of messages as I have by these. Honestly, what rich stuff. This is great. How many heard what their song is, what their purpose is? How many heard, saw a word or felt something, saw something? How many uh, saw something for somebody else that they need to go and say to them, this is what I see, it's good, it's wonderful. And the injustice, the injustice thing, so beautiful. Like those don't, these are not just accidents. <coughs> Make sure that you act upon them. Make sure that you, you do something with them. If you're hearing God say, this is your song, this is your purpose, this is what I have for you. Make sure you act on it. God gives us all kinds of promises, but it's, it's like people when they have prophecies given to them over their life, and then they just don't do anything. They don't try to have it happen, they don't try to work towards that end, they don't seek any. You know, it just lays there and dies. But if God is speaking to you, I, it's serious. And take that, and, and it's a gift. Uh, 
a real talent, a real ability. But the road is, is hard right now. And Father, I pray, I just pray for him today, that Father God, you would remind him that you are the Lord who lifts up. Just as we've heard here today, that you are the Lord who lifts up. And the Lord sees you fully. He sees you. And I'm not saying that just because we mentioned it in the message, but I really feel to say it. The Lord sees you, and he knows how hard it is. He knows some of the limitations. He knows some of the things down the road that you're looking at and saying, how, how, how. But the Lord is the one who lifts up. And the promise of the Lord for you today is that you, you will be lifted up, Julio. The place that you see yourself is correct. The way you get there might be different, but where you're seeing that you're going to, your goal, the place you see, uh, that is right. And I confirm it over you today. I just say yes in the name of Jesus over your life for it to be blessed and for it to be a blessing. And Father, I pray all of his needs will be met through Christ Jesus. That Father, you give him peace over this Christmas season. Let him know that you're with him. Let him know that you're guiding, and you will make his steps sure. Just keep going forward, Julio. Whatever you do, don't stop. Keep going. Whatever the barrier, the obstacle may come, and saying you've gone as far as you can go, or it looks like there's no more resources, you just keep going. The resources will come. So, Father, I thank you for this man. Thank you that he's here faithfully every week when I know it's difficult at times. So we just bless him as part of the family. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, we are going to do a baptism. Grace is getting baptized uh, this morning. Great. And uh, he's going to give a little testimony later on. Um, and we've got the tank ready. I put as much hot water in it as I can, but I know it's still going to be freezing cold. But that's okay. Stephanie said baptism shouldn't be easy. It should cost you something. Is it okay? Uh, I'll take that as an offer of reward of suffering. But uh, we can start uh, the uh, offering. We have the... Uh, bank machine at the back for those who want to use it.